What's going on, everyone? And welcome in to another edition of Be Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you in the late evening hours slash early morning hours because it's now after midnight of Thursday, April 6, 2023. And we've got more Tyler O'Neill and Ollie Marble to talk about. Uh, the Cardinals on Wednesday fell to the Braves in the series finale at Bush Stadium 5-2. to two. We do have the Jordan Walker experience to get into a little bit, and we will, I promise. But we have to start tonight with more in the saga between Cardinals manager Ollie Marble and outfielder Tyler O'Neill. I had thought maybe coming to the ballpark on Wednesday that this would be something that we'd maybe see put behind the two gentlemen and would be able to move on from it. Obviously, with what had taken place on Tuesday night, it was inevitable that the topic was going to come up again. It was going to have to be discussed in some capacity, right? So what we'll do on tonight's episode of the show is we'll walk you through, walk the Cardinals fans through, the listeners through, kind of what happened, the way it broke down on Wednesday morning at Bush Stadium. I'll talk about some of the things that Ollie Marmel said. I will play then a clip from Tyler O'Neill himself because we got a chance to talk to both gentlemen again on Wednesday. And whereas you might have thought, all right, everybody gets a chance to sleep on it, perhaps cooler heads prevail. And it's not as though it was a shouting match Tuesday, right? But maybe the situation Wednesday calms down a bit to where everybody can say, ah, I didn't agree with this, but I see the other side. We're going to move on from it and figure it out behind closed doors. It didn't exactly go that way um, because when the, the media piles into Ollie Marmel's office, the writers anyway, and the, the questions are asked that, that we're obviously going to get asked, Ollie sort of doubled down on his stance that he had from Tuesday night, and then that led to Tyler O'Neill making some new claims about perhaps his belief that this could have been handled in a different way handled in maybe not such a public way. And off to the races, we were back to the keyboards, writing quotes from the, the the player and the manager once again in this weird little vortex that just will not seem to go away. I likened it to, remember the Joe Buck call in game six of the 2011 World Series when uh, I believe it was after the Berkman hit, I want to say. Albert Pujols ends up on third base. He's pointing over to Lance Berkman over at first, and Joe Buck says they just won't go away. Well, this is the storyline that just won't go away. And so we're going to get into it again tonight on B-Shape Daily. But I do promise we will give Jordan Walker his due because even in an ugly series in which the Cardinals were swept by the Atlanta Braves, Jordan Walker continued to be a shining light in the darkness. So we'll talk about him and the start that he's had to the season And we're going to mention the fact that the Atlanta Braves are really good. Like, if I learned anything this week, it's that the Atlanta Braves are not to be trifled with. And perhaps the sky isn't falling on the St. Louis Cardinals just because of a a sweep against the Braves and a 2-4 and start to the season. There are problems right now with the Cardinals. There's no doubt about it. Uh, This is not where you wanted things to be after six games of a 162-game season. However... Maybe it's not as dire as it feels is, is going to be sort of my mantra as we get into it. Real quick, subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel if you do anything. YouTube.com slash at bshafer12. I've got 54 subscribers over there now, guys. Like, it's big time. Um, but a lot more of you, I know, listen to the show on audio. And maybe that's the way you prefer to do it. But if you can help me out, even if you never watch a YouTube video of mine, would love to have you subscribe. Just to click away, youtube.com slash at bshafer12. And if you love the content, you want to pay for it, I don't know, 
Patreon.com slash for 12 All right, enough with the intro. Let's get into it. I'm going to read you. This is the way this is going to work tonight. Because these conversations happened during the writer's portion of Media Access on Wednesday morning, in Ollie Marmel's uh, office, I should say, it would not be kosher for me to play the audio on here. I don't think that's something that, that I need to be doing. I can tell you what he said, though. You can read all about it at camov.com slash sports, basically. Uh, the, the latest Tyler O'Neill article on the website, I wrote it. And here's kind of the way it broke down. We all walk into Ollie's office on Wednesday morning. Everybody knows what's going to be discussed, the topic that's going to come up. I believe Derek Gould broke the ice and said, you know, is was there a conversation between you, Ollie Marmel, and Tyler O'Neill after everything that took place Tuesday when both of you guys kind of had your say to us reporters, everybody goes their separate ways, did another conversation take place? And all he said that that had happened, but then the question of, was there an understanding that y'all were able to come to, or was it still the differing views that you had on the situation? And that's where it gets a little bit fuzzy once again, because all he said, well, it's not really differing views, even though Tuesday, it certainly seemed that way. But all he said, listen, there's a standard and it's here. And he holds his hand up. If you're watching on YouTube, you know what I'm doing. If you're listening, you can imagine it. There's a standard and it's here. You meet it, you play, you don't meet it. You don't play. Seems simple enough, right? Benjamin Hockman asked, all right, so is this Tyler O'Neill's not in the lineup today? Cardinals lineup Wednesday, Tyler was not in it. Is this related to the situation that unfolded on Tuesday where Ollie Marmel, of course, uh, accused or, or plainly stated that Tyler O'Neill did not have the, uh, the, the adequate effort, was not hustling, did not give the effort on the base running play in the seventh inning that caused the Cardinals to uh, run into and out at the plate there. Ronald Acuna Jr. hoses him down. You had the exact situation you wanted with a lefty pitcher and Tommy Edmond coming up, which would have been bases loaded had they held him up at third. Doesn't happen inning over. Cardinals were down three, so we talked a lot on yesterday's episode about why that run really wasn't the important one and maybe should not have been sent. Not even maybe. He should not have been sent in that situation. Um and we'll get into what Ollie had to say about that because Lynn Worthy of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch asked a very valid question. Uh, the one that really I, I, w- I would have loved to have been able to get to on Tuesday night with Ollie. But in the heat of the moment, it was clear. He was upset with Tyler O'Neill. He wasn't upset with, with Ron Pop Warner, the Cardinals third base coach. But the question was asked today. So the situation is unfolding there in Ollie's office. And Ollie is doubling down, essentially on what we saw the day before that. And I mentioned that Benjamin asked, is it related to um, all of that, 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 the reason that Tyler is not in the lineup? And Ollie said, quote, it's Dylan Carlson in center field today. So he didn't really want to get into it at that point. But Ollie did expand upon the comments um, because we kept asking about them. I feel like it, it, it was inevitable, like I said, that that would happen. This is uh, unusual, right, for – a very public comment to be made by the manager and then the player to basically say, no, I I didn't characterize it that way. And that's how Tyler O'Neill explained it Tuesday night. And like I said, we're getting into the weeds on this already, but go back to the previous episode of B-Shape Daily. Go back to the last uh, YouTube video that discusses Tyler O'Neill and Ollie Marmel's spat, if you will, uh, and if, and catch up if you haven't been uh, privy to that video or, or podcast yet. But if you're caught up, stick with me here. 
because I thought this was interesting the way this unfolded. Like I said, you sleep on it. Perhaps everybody comes back the next day and feels differently. That isn't the way it played out. Ollie Marmel, basically what he said in the heat of the moment Tuesday, that's sort of the way he explained it again on Wednesday morning. This was a case of effort. And anytime, I mean, we tried, believe me. There were several questions that were asked. Could it have been related to the, the weather, the slick field, the playing surface? Was that maybe a factor? I had asked whether he understood that Tyler's explanation from Tuesday was something along the lines of perhaps I was just kind of overthinking it in the moment instead of just allowing my natural abilities, he, he said, to go get him the way I normally do, was, was the paraphrase of the quote, and we talked about this yesterday. Was it a case of that where he was just overthinking things? And Ollie said, I'm going to— you know, it was very clear that he felt as though, Ali did, that he had already explained all of this to us on Tuesday. And so he was very gracious about understanding that we had to continue to ask about it. But he, it's not like he changed his position or walked anything back or anything of that nature. He said, there's going to be a style of play that we're known for. It's going to involve effort. It's going to involve being relentless. It's going to involve being smart. And we're going to keep guys to that because that's how you sustain being good for a long time. There are a lot of good players in that clubhouse and down below, talking about the minors. And I love competition. The last thing you want to do when you're in competition is open up a window. That is what Ollie said when, I think it was to my question about, hey, was it maybe something where you understood that Tyler's explanation wasn't that he was dogging it, but was that he just kind of froze up, was overthinking it, and didn't allow his natural instincts to take over. And Ollie was like, listen, I I don't want to – and this is paraphrasing here, but the way he approached it, he he didn't want to give credence to what you might call excuses or alternate explanations for what he saw. He said he saw an effort level that was not what he's used to seeing from Tyler O'Neill. And like I said, every question that was asked was uh, could have been answered in such a way that said, all right, yeah, I could see that. I could see where Tyler O'Neill, maybe that's what happened, and that's an explanation that everybody can live with and we can move on. No, he wanted to be clear that the St. Louis Cardinals have a level of expectation regarding effort uh, that was not being met by O'Neill on that play. And all he felt, he said, I'll answer it a hundred different ways uh, if, I, if that's what you guys want me to do. But he felt like he was being pretty clear from the, the word go. The first question that he answered at the podium on Tuesday night, uh, to his credit, I don't really think his stance ever changed very much. Now, do I agree with everything that he said and all the positions that he held? No, not really. Um, I explained last night that I didn't think it was, uh, especially to the egregious, like significant level that that was being accused there, uh, an effort play with with O'Neill specifically. I could see the angle of it, certainly, that that it wasn't 100%. But did I, and maybe I'm just gullible, maybe I'm naive, but did I buy into, I would say, a little more than the manager did, the notion that there were other things at play where O'Neal, the execution was bad. He failed in the execution of his of his role in that moment. There's no doubt about that, and uh, you know that that's something that you can analyze and and talk about. But I don't think I think when you talk about effort, that brings in a different dynamic to it, right? Like a guy can fail to execute a three-two pitch that he needed to throw it in the strike zone, but instead he threw ball four. That can happen. I don't think it's a willful, intentional thing. It's a you're a baseball player, and some days you're better at baseball than other days, and you fail to execute on the days where you're not so good. Pitchers have that happen. Hitters have that happen in the batter's box. Fielders 
make an error, and, and that would be comparable in my mind. Base running is kind of the same thing, but there's a difference when it comes to base running because you can uh, – first thing you got to look at is, well, is the guy hustling? Is the guy giving it his all? And I don't know. I asked Ollie if there was a specific spot in the moment. Like he said, he talked about looking at the overhead view and seeing it and not seeing the effort level that he needed. And that's when I asked, was there a specific moment of that? Because I tried to get this from Tyler on Tuesday, and he, again, it was just not a super clear answer. And I think Tyler, at his locker, you know, cameras in his face, probably felt a little bit ambushed where it's like, all right, I would love to be able to articulate, but how many among us would be able to, with 10 people holding microphones in your face, always articulate it exactly the way we want? Yeah, it's probably not an ideal situation to be in. And I do feel for Tyler in that moment because it all did develop very quickly, right? He had known that Ollie was upset with him because Ollie told him so. But then Ollie tells it to the media, and that goes on television, and then everybody's going in there to ask Tyler O'Neill about it. So it all developed pretty quickly, and I, I, I won't speak for Tyler O'Neill. Maybe he said exactly what he wanted to say. But if he had it to do over again, could it maybe have, uh, you know, had a little bit more of a game plan if it didn't just develop just like that? Maybe so. I'm just trying to think of the possibilities here. And so, you know, that was something that was at play as well. But when it came to the question of whether there was a specific moment within that play, the primary lead, the secondary lead, the, you know, I, oh, there, there just wasn't a, uh, what do you call it, a smoking gun. There wasn't a smoking gun from Ollie Marmel that was like, oh, that's the spot that I don't like. He said, no, it was the primary, the secondary, the effort, all of it, wasn't a fan of it and was clearly uh, maybe not very much a fan of my question. But I, I think people were curious because watching it, we all watched it and saw it didn't look right. There was no disputing that. But I couldn't pick out the moment where it's like, yeah, that's where he's a step slow. I think the point from Marmel there was, it, Brendan, if you're watching it, the whole thing was a step slow. And it was. And that's been attributed to effort. And I I, I think it's kind of hilarious that as a, uh, as a, a media group, a fan base, or whatever you want to call it, as baseball enthusiasts, we have all undoubtedly watched this overhead view. I mean, Matt Pauley posted it to Twitter, which I'm thankful that he did. But we have scrutinized the heck out of this thing. I was watching it again today and picking out things that I was like, oh, I wonder if this was. I would. Maybe we're overthinking this, I think is the bottom line. Um, the, the, the comments were rather inflammatory from both sides just because of the, the nature of they were going against one another. One guy described it this way, and when, when the player doesn't, kind of fall into line with what the manager said that inherently is going to bring up a controversy. And so that's why we're still talking about it. But could we step back for a moment and go, all right, are we way the heck over analyzing this play? Probably so. But there's another aspect of it besides the, 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 the play O'Neill, the hustle, all of it that I focused on yesterday and wanted to continue to focus on today. And then we'll hear from Tyler O'Neill before we wrap this up and start talking about some Jordan Walker and some other things. The question came from Lynn Worthy of, hey, we didn't really ask a ton of it yesterday, but what do you make, Ollie, now that you've had 12 hours or whatever, to, to kind of think it over, of the decision to send Tyler O'Neill in that spot? Because I talked about it yesterday on, on the show, and I said it was a bad send. that should not have been sent by Pomp Warner. Not because I didn't think he could make it, but because that's not the point. If you're down, I know it's not the ninth inning, only the seventh inning, but the way I viewed it, the way that game was unfolding, you're down by three runs and you have set things up to where as long as Brendan Donovan finds any way to get on base, you've now got Tommy Edmond batting from the right side against a lefty middle reliever. Perfect. Bingo. 
Like, that's what you want if you're the Cardinals. And then not to mention Dylan Carlson from the right side, if, if Edmonds should reach Goldschmidt, Arenado, et cetera, et cetera. It's a very good situation that could ultimately produce three runs. Uh, so if it's if it's still 4-1 to one when Edmund comes to the plate, that's okay. But he, you've got to find a way to give him to the plate. And the only way to take that away from the St. Louis Cardinals in that spot is to have a, a toot plan thrown out on the bases like a nincompoop. You can't have it in that spot, and they, they sent him. Sent him around third. But here was the response from Ollie Marmel. He basically said, our view is that, and he talked with Pop Warner about it, but the view is that if Tyler O'Neill is hustling, is is giving the effort level to his capacity, like they're used to seeing with someone like Tyler, then they believe it would not have been a close play at home. It just would have simply been Tyler O'Neill is safe at home. That is the way it was characterized by Ali Marmel. I fervently disagree with that take. Um, I respect Ali Marmel. I think he's a very smart manager. I don't agree with his take on this one because you got to consider that it's, it's Ronald Acuna out there. And so even if it's a perfect jump, a perfect read, everything about it from O'Neill is great. He rounds the bag with the crispness of the morning cereal before you put the milk in. It's still not a play that I feel comfortable saying, oh, it's anybody in baseball is going to be safe there for sure. I'm never going to say that because the guy in right field can do things that other people cannot do. And if he happens to do it on that play, which wouldn't be an upset, I would say he's probably favored to do it if you're talking about uh, – Put some odds on it. He's already done it to, to Contreras at second base. It's a little further to home plate, but so be it. I mean, he's Acuna has that kind of arm. I can't assume that there is any universe in which, even if Tyler O'Neill busts it at 30 feet per second, like he did pretty much all of 2022 when he ranked 15th in MLB in sprint speed on the StatCast leaderboard, even if he's doing that, I cannot fathom you saying, yeah, it's, it's a guaranteed he's going to be safe at home, so... When you talk about risk-reward, there is no risk-reward because he's going to be safe. There's no risk. I don't see it that way. I just, I, I struggle to to buy into that. At the very best case scenario, it's a bang-bang play where you've got maybe a 70-30, 60-40 advantage. Give him an 80-20 advantage. What do you, I mean, how do you want the breakdown to go? I still say it's a bad send. You could give me 90-10, and I'd say if there's a 10% chance that Tyler O'Neill is thrown out there by a miracle throw, can't take it. Because I think this is your best chance at tying this game in the seventh inning. If you haven't tied it by the seventh or at least cracked into it maybe 4-3, uh, I, I don't think you're winning the game at that point. So I'm playing it conservative in that spot, and I know coming into the play that I'm going to because it's a situation and the awareness of who's in right field, what's the score, who's on deck, who's pitching. Is it a three-batter minimum? No, he's going to have to stay in the game because they just brought him in to face Donovan. All of those things would be a factor. So, yeah, I that's the official stance for the team. Uh, I, I don't think just throwing Pop Warner under the bus is necessary. Ollie is, has certainly gone in the other direction from that and has made sure to, to shield him from any criticism here. He, he even said today, you know, third base coach, in his opinion, harder job than being the manager, hardest job on the field, in Ollie Marble's opinion. And he said, I don't want any part of that. You could take it. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it is one of those things where when plays like this happen, the scrutiny is going to come upon that position. And I think in this case, it was a bad send, which it doesn't, I mean, again, fielders make errors, batters strike out, pitchers walk guys when they really can't afford to. Sometimes third base coaches make tactical mistakes. It's not like he's going to gonna have to be infallible. He's a member of the, the team, just like anybody else. And so I think in this case, it was a bad send. Uh, but 
it, 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 it's one of those things that life goes on, right? It's, it is a difficult job. I don't envy being the third base coach. Um, you got to kind of trust in your instinct in those moments. And, and I think the way Ollie described it after a conversation with Pop Warner, the instinct was, I know what Tyler O'Neill normally does. So if I'm, you know, I, he said it's hard to cover. You can't try to be coaching in a way that's going to cover up for somebody's mistake. You're coaching in a way that assumes what his his standard is. is. And they know Tyler O'Neill's standard. And it, whether it was effort or just a mental block or something that happened in that moment, he was not operating to his standard. I think we all agree on that having watched the play. And so I, it's it's one of those things where he said, if you're the third base coach and you're planning on X, Y, and Z happening because that's what X, Y, and Z occurs from this player all the time, and then you don't get that level of effort or execution, you're screwed, and there's not a whole lot you can do. So I think that's sort of the way it played out a little bit. But I want to play Tyler O'Neill's words because it did add an extra layer to this that a lot of people I think were picking up on if you look at social media and the like. People, uh, I, I saw a lot of folks kind of siding with the point that Tyler O'Neill made here. And so this was a question. Hopefully I've got it queued up properly uh, from Jim Hayes at Tyler O'Neill's locker after we spoke in Ollie's office. And here's Jim's question and then the answer by Tyler O'Neill. And stay tuned to the end of his answer where he kind of gets into some new ground that we haven't heard before. Is there anything you can do differently or will do differently, I guess, is my question. I'm just going to continue to get my work in, get my reads in, um, make sure I'm getting that right jump off the bat and, and cutting the corners as good as I can, um, you know, giving it my best effort every time. Um, you know, I came up, I got up through the minor leagues and into the big leagues playing hard and playing scrappy, and, you know, that's who I am. That's my character, um, and I don't, I don't ever want anyone to take that away from me. Um, you know, these conversations definitely could have been had in-house and, and not gotten out on loose like they have. Um, should have been handled a little differently, in my opinion, but, you know, who's to say? All right, so there was Tyler O'Neill. That's new ground, right? What he had to say there toward the end, hey, in my opinion, these conversations could have been handled a little differently, maybe handle them in-house, not let them get out on the loose like this, which that process did begin with Ollie's TV interview at the podium Tuesday. That's that's where we're, we're not in the clubhouse. We're not in his office. That's going out on TV. He's at the podium answering post-game questions like he does after every every home game. And, yeah, from there, the, the ball did begin rolling down the hill, and it was kind of impossible to uh, to stop at that point. It had it gathered too much momentum, and it was going to, uh, to, to get to its logical resting place one way or another. And we, we may still not be there. But that was something where I think people sort of took the side of Tyler O'Neill and said, you know, there may be some credence to that. And I think it's interesting. Um it was asked of Ollie today, hey, that Harrison Bader situation. Remember last year with Harrison Bader? And he had a similar situation. Ollie actually pulled him mid-game when he felt that Harrison Bader was not hustling. Ollie said the one with O'Neill this time was not as blatantly evident as the one with Bader was. That to him was just clear as day, and so he knew right then and there, like, he's he's gone. We're Not gone isn't traded. Ollie... <laughs> Uh, Ollie was asked if he liked the way that played out. And I totally understood what the question was because it was intended to mean, did you like the way that Bader responded to that moment and basically owned up and said, yes, I didn't hustle. You're right. That can't happen. And it will not happen again. And Bader turned it around and, and was, it was not that he was traded because of that. I think was Ollie's concern in hearing the question was that it was being characterized that way. 
and it, it kind of led to a funny moment. But no, that was not the characterization, and that wasn't the way. It, that's not why Bader was traded. I'm just telling. I mean, the Cardinals needed pitching. They had a bunch of outfielders. It it meshed up, and now they've got Jordan uh, Montgomery under team control for this year. Look at the roster the way it is now. Aren't we talking about the Cardinals having a bunch of outfielders who are all kind of in the same bucket? Did you need Harrison Bader added to that bucket? Probably not. Uh, from like a roster construction standpoint, okay, did you need Jordan Montgomery? Yeah, imagine where the rotation is with one fewer starter, for goodness sake. That's not what anybody wants. So, no, Bader was not traded for that reason. But the question was sort of, did the positive response, did the way that Bader handled that reinforce for Ollie Marmel that this is the way to handle player interactions when something like this comes up? And Ollie said, no, uh, that didn't embolden me to to maintain this approach. This would be my approach regardless, is the way that Ollie Marmel feels. He says, I am who I am, and I'm, I, my management style is my management style. Like, I, I, if I see something, I'm saying something. And in this case, he felt he needed to say something uh, when it came to what he perceived as, uh, you know, I- improper effort from Tyler O'Neill. However, could it have gone down in such a way that – He's asked about it after the game. He said, you know, we didn't like the way that looked and we're going to address it internally and then sort of shield off the questions from there. Chew out Tyler O'Neill behind the scenes if that's the way he wants to approach it. But I think for Tyler O'Neill, it, it, it got a little bit rough there because, like I said, it happens publicly. Then he's got to answer it publicly knowing that everybody just heard him sort of go under the bus in that regard. And it spiraled from there. I think, you know, it. I'm not I'm not even making a commentary about the type of personality or person Tyler O'Neill is to say, well, he, you know, like I, the word fragile, if you feel like, well, he's fragile for not being able to stand up to these comments. I don't know if that's a fair characterization, but I would say that, like, put yourself in his shoes. It can't have been very fun. Like you you're suddenly under the spotlight in a very public way, whereas otherwise it could have been more of a private way. And so I can understand there are Cardinals fans who look at this and say, that's that's where I, you lost me on this one. I don't think it needed to happen so publicly. I could see it both ways. Um, there is a motivating factor to it in doing it publicly, right? Like, Ollie Marmel didn't mince words when it came to Harrison Bader and told everybody, you know, what's what, why he got benched, what, what the expectations were, and he turned it around. But maybe it's different management styles for different players. If Tyler O'Neill is, is, is maybe not going to respond to it the same way, uh, you maybe approach it differently, but you, you can't also know in advance how an individual is going to respond to things that you, you can't read minds, right? And so the situation is what it is at this point. And I, from a Tyler O'Neill perspective, like he came into the game, he pinched it and stayed in the game on on Wednesday. I think it's I think it's one of those things where if it is not freaking five, six days into the season, it's much smaller of a deal, even if it was approached the exact same way by everybody involved. But because it's like the very beginning of the season, it just feels like it's got that extra layer of magnitude. This is going to go away. It is. It's not going to be something that I think lingers the entire year. Uh, it's it's going to die down. Is it uncomfortable right now? Yeah. Is it magnified by the fact that they they were swept in the series? Absolutely. Like if the Cardinals are winning games, we're not asking about this as much. But how many different ways can you talk about hey the starting pitching gave up multiple runs in the first couple of innings again I mean it's the same thing every day for like I don't know four or five days in a row it's Groundhog Day all over again so 
because they're losing, that's it's magnified even more. And I think that's just coincidental. So I do think this is something that ends up going away. Do I think there might be a point by Tyler O'Neill to say, hey, this could have been done in a different way? Sure, but, you know, he's not the manager of the team, and, and all he's going to, uh, again, he's going to do what he thinks is best, and I have, in the past, almost always agreed with Ollie Marmel. In this case, I disagree with certain aspects of the conversation. Uh, above all, I just don't agree with the notion that he would have been safe regardless if he was hustling. I don't think that's true, and you'll never convince me that the risk was worth the reward on sending him. That is like a tactical baseball conversation. The rest of it, whether he hustled or didn't or is is upset because the manager said he didn't hustle, that's we've scrutinized that to death, and so we're gonna we're gonna kind of leave it here. But it was interesting for a couple of days, right? Like that is not something that I expected to happen in the early portion of the season. And if we see the Cardinals go on to have a really crummy April and they're in third place in the middle of May and June, and we're gonna we might look back on this and say, Yeah, that might have been a, a point where Things kind of took a sour turn after a really good opening series. Cardinals couldn't hold up against what you would consider elite playoff caliber competition against the Braves, and look where they went from there. Nowhere. I don't think that's going to happen. I think you look at this series against Atlanta, super close to, have, you know, it could have been a two out of three for the Cardinals, legitimately. Um, first of all, the O'Neill play, if you don't send him, I think Tommy Edmond probably drives in a couple of runs there on Tuesday. Cardinals might win that game. Wednesday's game. Cardinals lose it 5-2. to two. You had some very similar circumstances where hard-hit balls did not find holes for the Cardinals. And, in fact, they did the opposite. Paul Goldsmith hit one over the fence. Michael Harris, the center fielder, he brought it back into the ballpark. I, I can't remember if that would have been a solo job or a two-run home run for Goldsmith. But these were the, the types of things that were happening to the Cardinals. They had 17 batted balls on Wednesday. I believe it was 17. 95 miles per hour exit velocity or higher. It was like 10 or 11 if you if you go like 99 and above. But 95 is still a pretty good poke. And uh, obviously all those can't be ground balls or you're not really doing much. But I'm just trying to demonstrate like they were hitting balls hard. You had the one from Goldsmith that was over the fence. I'm pretty sure Michael Harris brought it back. I'd have to check the replay more closely, but I, I, I believe that's what happened. Then in the ninth inning, you had Nolan Gorman hit a line shot to first base. Matt Olson dives to his left. Or I shouldn't say that. He steps to his left, and then once he has secured the ball, dives in the same direction and tags the base with his glove to double Arenado off first. Two outs on what very easily could have been if he's not holding the runner on or, or standing a little closer to the base to sort of keep Arenado honest. It probably is a double into the corner, and it's runners on second and third. And by the way, the next two guys also hit doubles. So I, I, maybe it wasn't the next two, but Carlson and uh, Jordan Walker in whatever order that took place, doubled. So the hard-hit balls are there. The Cardinals had one game of their first six where they didn't have 10 hits. That was today when they had 17 batted balls of 95 or more miles per hour off the bat. So for me, the offense is in a really good spot. They're hitting balls hard. You've got guys contributing up and down the order. I think they're going to continue to find ways to score more runs. They scored three runs in the last two games. That is very bad BABIP, very bad runners in scoring position, batted ball luck sort of stuff. I think it's it's just simply going to turn around. And the base running mistakes that have been made also cost you. Paul Goldsmith made one today. I don't even think Pop Warner sent him around on this one, but it was one where it's like 
it's basically the infield fly play from Pete Cosma in, in 2012 in the wild card game, except there were two outs. And so Goldschmidt is running the entire way. And it's a situation where, okay, if you catch the defense panicking, maybe you can steal a run. It, he was out by a long, long margin. I don't, it was not a, a great send by Paul Goldschmidt. I don't know that, I don't think he was waved around. Um, I, I'd have to look again at that, but I don't believe he was. It was just one of those where he's trying to make a play. But it's not like he's not hustling, right? I mean, that's, that's, and that's too where the whole thing with O'Neill, you get into dicey territory because what happens if the next day a play looks identical to that and you go, hey, was Paul Goldschmidt hustling? The, the jokes kind of write themselves. Nobody's going to question the hustle of Paul Goldschmidt and the heart of Paul Goldschmidt. So that's where you kind of set yourself up for the potential of having it, it, a little bit of egg on your face there if you're Ollie Marmol or the Cardinals. But Ollie Marmol ain't worried about the criticism, nor should he be. I mean, he he is stone cold. He's going to stick to his guns on what he thinks is is accurate and right and true. And the Cardinals are going to move on with him and and move on with Tyler O'Neill as well. It's just going to be what it is. Um, as I said, I didn't want to get back into that, but I, I sort of forgot about the Goldsmith play that happened today. It's like, is there anything that could have been more unfortunate to set up some Twitter jokes than Paul Goldsmith running into an out at home plate by 15 feet the way it happened on, uh, on Wednesday in the aftermath of the O'Neill thing? The answer to that is probably not. I don't think there is. But, hey, let's talk about some good things. Uh, the Cardinals starting pitching. No, I'm kidding. Let's talk about Jordan Walker uh, because he's been fantastic. He's part of that group, that offense, that allows me to believe that the Cardinals are going to be just fine when it comes to uh, the the run support and the scoring kind of leveling out relative to the hard contact that they've been able to produce. Jordan Walker is 8 for 24 on the young season. Uh, I don't know. He's got like five RBIs or something. He hit his first home run of the season on Wednesday also had an RBI double. He was the offense, the, the, the solo home run and the RBI double to drive in Carlson in the ninth. Those are the two runs the Cardinals scored. Hitting 333 on the year. OPS is uh, is handily above 800, I believe, at this point, like 830, 840, whatever it is. Jordan Walker's been fantastic, and he legitimately could have a, a 400 batting average if he had a little bit better batted ball luck. Uh, he's hit the ball hard, has hit into some hard outs. He's just ready. I mean, the Cardinals made an absolutely fantastic decision when they said, oh, Jordan Walker's kind of struggling later in spring camp. Don't care. He's coming with us. I know that was one that was like, all right, is it? Is there something to the struggles there? Why is he having a hard time? No, they said, we've seen enough to know the way he handles himself. It's the same whether he's struggling. It's the same whether he's going good. Uh, he's steady. He is a St. Louis Cardinal. I mean, he is exactly personifies what what the Cardinals are about uh you know he's 20 year old Paul Goldschmidt like that's the way that's the way he approaches things I really do believe uh he, he just does not let the the hype or the noise or any of that get to him and so he's special he's going to be special for a long time uh he's gonna he's gonna get to where he's just much wa must watch television you know you, you got to watch his at bats because you're going to miss something exciting special if if you don't see him so I don't know what the point is where he gets moved up in the batting order, but I honestly don't think you need it right now. I think everybody is sort of acclimated into their spots for the most part. You don't need to do – I mean, you'll line up tinker, go for it. But I don't think that's uh, an area of emphasis just yet for the Cardinals, even though you have three runs over the past two games. Like I said, I think there's an explanation for that. What's the explanation, though, for the pitching in the way – in particular, the starting pitching? Because the bullpen has not struggled. The bullpen has actually been very, very good. If you look at what they've been able to do the past few days, 
in situations where the starting pitching did not put the relievers in a great spot. Today, Michaelis ends up going six. It's the longest outing by a Cardinals starter this year, uh, which is not saying a lot. But then it's Packy Naughton and Chris Stratton coming in again and throwing three scoreless innings. Those guys have gotten their work in this week because of the fact that they're sort of the the guy from the right side and the left side that you're angling to have those fellas give you innings when you're trailing in a game by a couple few runs. It's not ideal that that situation has come to pass multiple times over the same week, but it's like they've got rubber band arms. They'll, they'll go out there and throw for you whenever you need them. So underrated performance, I would say, this week from – not just those two guys, Stratton and Packy, but the bullpen in general um, has been really solid for the Cardinals. You can go back to Tuesday's game. Steven Matz gave up four runs and five and a third. You got Verhagen, Palante, Gallegos to cover three and two-thirds innings for you. Uh, and I think you even go back further than that. I think it was Stratton and Packy the day before that. So they've done a great job. Starting pitching has not. We've now been one turn through the rotation, plus Michaelis has made his second start, and there hasn't been a good one among the bunk, the bunch, obviously. Um, I guess you could say that Jordan Hicks... Or, why can't I talk? What's wrong with me? I guess you could say that Jack Flaherty's was the best of the group, and he had seven walks and a, a hit batter. Granted, no runs over five innings, and Jack Flaherty, still to this point, is not allowed a hit in his season. So that's kind of fun. But really, it didn't look the way that it needed to look for any of those guys. But what do you chalk it up to? Do you chalk it up to the Blue Jays have a very potent lineup? The Braves, maybe even more so. And that's that's just one of those where you, you're okay with the struggles. You don't want to be okay with it, right? Because people say, well, it's just a, a couple of tough teams that you caught at the beginning of the year. That's why they struggled. All right, if the Cardinals are going to make the playoffs, what kind of teams are they going to face? The good ones. What happened last year when they faced a good one against the Philadelphia Phillies? They lost. It wasn't because they got pounded in terms of the the pitching getting roughed up. The starting pitchers in that two-game set did did their job, really. Quintana did a great job. I think Michaelis was the other one. I can't think back all the way to, to last year. What was that 2022? It's a long time ago. I just had a baby at that point. Well, my wife did. And so I don't really remember that series all that much. But what I do remember is that starting pitching – was not really the issue. It was kind of the offense in that one. But what happens if you get into the playoffs this year and you're facing some of those teams and you don't have the bona fide starting pitching to get it done? Well, a lot of Cardinals fans are wondering that right now. But what I would say is they'll figure that out in October. Like, Jack Flaherty could look great by October. Miles Michaelis could be rounded back into form by October. Steven Matz could look better. I know that after Tuesday's start, you may be not super confident in that, but I thought actually Matz got better as he went along. Uh, was able to kind of leave some of the trouble in the first innings and then uh, fill some good innings for the Cardinals from there. I still have hopes for Steven Mass to have a very strong season, um, but I can understand if, if you're a little skeptical of that, having just seen his track record over last year when he was injured. Keep that in mind. Didn't pitch a whole lot with the injuries. And then so far this year with the, the one start. But that being said, I do think there is something to the schedule is going to ease up a little bit for the Cardinals at some point. Maybe not this weekend because you have the Brewers who, you know, they were – neck and neck with you for the division for the majority of last year, and they're off to a solid start this season. That being said, I do think that the Cardinals pitching is better than it showed so far. I'm talking starting pitching right now. Better than it showed so far this season, um, but maybe still fair to, to have some criticisms or some concerns about 
because is it ever going to get to as it's currently constructed the the heights of some of the true contenders in the National League? Maybe not, but keep this in mind. The Braves just whipped up on the Cardinals with Dylan Dodd, I think that's his name, and Bryce Elder was the pitcher on Wednesday. So they're dealing with pitching injuries. Max Fried is on the shelf. Like, they've got issues. I know they've got Spencer Strider still healthy, but there are teams that are going to go through injuries just the same way the Cardinals are, and the Cardinals have lost Adam Wainwright to this point. You may have said, well, I don't think Wainwright was going to have a great year. Well, we'll see. He's throwing bullpens, and he's going to be ramped back up pretty soon, I think, for the Cardinals. I just think it's one of those where you got to let it play out. The Cardinals are going to stick with the same rotation that they had. Ollie Marmel said it's gonna, they're just going to roll it back through. No change is being considered at this point in time, which I think is right. Uh, let's see how it looks after a, a couple outings for everybody. Who are you really going to take out of the rotation is the other question. Like, I guess you'd say Jake Woodford, but he earned the spot. Like that, They wanted him to take that opportunity and see what he could do with it. Uh, Matthew Libertor, if he keeps pitching well, could be a candidate to swap in there. Um, but I, I think it's a little bit too early for those conversations. And so when you get into this Milwaukee series of the weekend, they're going to they're gonna roll out the same guys that you would have expected it to be. When we get into Thursday, if we can maybe do a podcast on Thursday night. I've got my bowling on Thursday night, so it'll, it'll go up pretty late if I end up doing it. But there is no Cardinals game on Thursday. I will focus more on this topic, the starting pitching and how bad of a situation is it really and how maybe unsustainable. And should the Cardinals have done more? I think that's what a lot of fans are, are pointing to and saying, who possibly could have seen this coming? And that, oh, the starting pitching for a third year in a row is going to need to be supplemented at the trade deadline. That's already what it feels like, and it's early April. Uh, but should the Cardinals have done more in the offseason, I think is a question that we might be able to tackle on Thursday because a lot of people are wondering about it. And so since there won't be a game to talk about, there might not be a whole lot of news. You never know. There could be more news that comes out on Thursday. Uh, but that's kind of what I'm looking at maybe for th for an episode Thursday. If I, if I can get it done during the day, that would be even better for you guys. Um, but kind of stay tuned for that. I'm not going to spoil too much of that conversation right now because I do think it'll be fun to talk about uh, the pitching when we can just focus on that for a full episode. Uh, my, my Cliff Notes version is, is it as bad as it feels right now? I'm going to say no. Um, but does it feel good right now? Of course not. I mean, there, it, it, it sucks to see the team down before they can bat in almost every game. Like it happened every single game of this Atlanta series where they gave up runs in the first and second inning. And so you come to bat in the bottom of the first inning, you're already trailing in the, in the contest. It's not very conducive to uh, being able to come up with a winning record. And lo and behold, they did not win the series, nor did they even win a single game in the series. So that's where the Cardinals are at right now. They're two and four. It's not an ideal situation, but it's a long season. And I think the offense is still going to be like, I have not soured one bit, not even like if I was a 10 out of 10 in confidence level before uh, Tuesday, when they started kind of lulling a little bit in the scoring department, I'm still a 10 out of 10. Nothing has changed on that front. And uh, Hey, at some point too, you'll even get Lars Newtbar back, which will just, I think because I'm high on that player, I think will add to uh, the allure and the possibility that the Cardinals end up being really a juggernaut when it comes to their offense. That's going to do it, though, for this edition of B-Shape Daily. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening. Appreciate you even more for subscribing on YouTube.com slash at B-Shaper12. Put the at symbol in there. I know it's weird, but that's what YouTube does nowadays. You follow on Spotify. You rate and review, of course. Uh, thank you guys so much for sticking with me. And we'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace.